This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. To learn more or to subscribe, visit beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew. episode 346 of the craft beer ring podcast i'm jamie bogner and i am again in arizona the greater phoenix area i have to call the greater phoenix area we're actually in mesa today but uh, uh we're at 12 west brewing and joining me for this episode are uh, justin gully gullickson head brewer co-owner for 12 west and andrew cooper assistant brewer welcome to the podcast gully hello hello just so people can associate your voice. Yeah. And <laughs> Andrew. Thank you. Yeah. It's great to be here. This is one of the wildest commercial breweries that I think I have ever visited in the strangest. Well, I shouldn't say strange in the kind of coolest of lifestyle ways. <laughs> um, you can say that this is a commercial brewery, but it's in the uh, former gr- extended garage. Um, when we say extended garage, this is like uh this used to be a high-end car garage. Yeah, 6,000 square foot garage. Yeah. Uh, used to be filled with some fancy cars. And, uh, you know, and then your owner, Brian, decided uh, to you know, get started and open a brewery. And they did it right here in the backyard of the house. There is a swimming pool right here in view of us. There is uh, a half-pipe ramp, uh, you know, past that. There is uh, dirt tracks for bikes, uh, you know, further out there. Like, it, it is kind of a action sports lifestyle yeah that's definitely a little bit of the idea a little extreme a little out there yeah yeah uh but pretty awesome that you can walk out the door from the the brew house and then hop right into the swimming pool yeah it definitely helps in the arizona summer yeah fantastic fantastic i i I would love to live here um you know you can make your own beer and then you just yeah you've got all so would we we would love to live here too but But you get to work here. You work here instead. Anyway, we're here um, primarily because uh, Radial Spines, the West Coast uh, uh, pills from uh, 12 West, was one of our beers of the year in 2023, scored a 98 with our blind judges. And, uh, of course, everyone knows how much we love hoppy pills these days. And you guys crushed it, knocked it out of the park with this beer. And, uh, of course, for subscribers to Craft Beer and Brewing, the recipe for Radial Spines is one that you all shared with us and uh, is in that issue of the magazine. So if you are a subscriber, go back, check that out in the issue itself. If you're not a subscriber, you can gain access to all of our back issues by becoming a subscriber, and then you can uh, check out that recipe yourself. Shameless plug. Maybe it's not so shameless of a plug there. But uh, anyway, super impressed with the beers that you all have been making Thank over you. the years. Not just Radial Spines, but uh, like the Stratodactyl Hoppy Lager, which scored a 95. Zona Pills scored a 94 with our blind judges. But even like a hop, uh, Hazy IPA, like Super Beaker. Um, scored a 93 and so you guys are uh, doing really well across and I think there's other 90s plus or 90 plus scores for uh, things like front side with peach and some others that are in there too so lots of consistency and quality whether it's lager or whether it's ales um, and so that's why I'm out here uh, you know we're going to have a conversation so we're going to talk about your approach to, to brewing hoppy lager and maybe we'll also talk about other hoppy beers too just because you know it's because people like those yeah, things. We like hops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do that. But before that, at GD Chillers, they always strive to build great chillers. Partner with them as you build great beer. Kevin Toger from Bearded Iris says GD Chillers have been a valuable partner throughout our growth. They build high quality equipment and know their machines extremely well. Most importantly, their customer service is best in class, which is a huge value add to our internal teams that manage these critical support systems. End quote. Choose GD Chillers on your next expansion or brewery startup and receive one free year of remote control and monitoring of your new GD Chiller. And Turnkey Brewery Systems production line design services, retrofitting processing systems. ProBrew can do all of this and more with any brewery, old or new, small or large. With an expansive list of breweries already served, their engineering team prides itself on providing a true turnkey solution built for your entire production line that can be easily customized to fit your operation. For more information, fill out their contact form at www.probrew.com or email contact us at probrew.com to learn exactly how they can take your operations to the next level. ProBrew, brew your beer. Also, Old Orchard has supplied flavored craft juice concentrate blends to over 46 states for the production of fruit-forward beer, cider, seltzer, wine, spirits, and more. By partnering with some of the biggest names in the craft brewing landscape, Old Orchard has become a go-to source 
of fruit forward ingredients. To learn more and request your free samples, head on over to oldorchard.com slash brewer. All right, Gully, we kick it off with a little bit of history and background. Uh, what's yours? And then also tell us the uh, the broader uh, 12 West uh, history. So I guess I kind of fell in love with uh, craft beer, working at a little beer bar in uh, Austin called Bangers uh, Sausage. Oh man, yeah, I've been to Bangers. Yeah, it's a good good spot. I Great think they're spot. up to 202 draft beers, but when I was there, there was only 101, but... Got into that. That's way too many. It is way too many. Yeah, no one, no beer bar needs that many tabs. <laughs> yeah, working there was not the funnest, but I did fall in love with beer. Ended up moving back out to Arizona. Two of my best friends were uh, brewers at Arizona Wilderness. Ended up serving there, bartending. Kind of moving my way up. Worked there for about three years, and then uh, one of the founders of Twelve West kind of recruited me over. Came over here, and seven years later, I'm still here. Well, March will be seven years for me. Uh, 12 West has been open about seven and a half years. We have in November of 2016. So I started about five months after we opened and I've moved up from the keg washer and had a couple other brewers in front of me, learned from them. And then now I'm the, the head brewer or the whatever, wear a lot of hats around here guy. <laughs> here you are, here you are. And so, uh, what was the idea behind 12 West originally? I mean, five months in, that's it's like you're pretty much, you know, that's founding time right there. Yeah, pretty much. I, I know Brian wanted to start a brewery, and he met up with Noel, the other uh, original founder, and uh, they just, you know, started coming up with recipes, home, kind of more homebrewing on a one-barrel system here and experimenting. And then by the time I got here, it was about at the, the system that we're on now. Um, I actually never brewed on the, the small system. But yeah, I think they just kind of... So in five months, they went from a one-barrel system to a... You know, 10 barrel, yeah. right? Yeah, so they moved up uh, pretty this quickly. This is, by the way, the most amazing homebrew setup that I have ever seen and that you have an entire commercial brewery yeah. in the back of this house. Yeah, it's definitely uh, interesting. Um, I wish more people could come and check it out. I wish it you know, wasn't uh, so closed off. I mean, sometimes sure, that's sure, nice, but at sure. the same time, I uh, wish it wasn't so closed off so people could come check out how kind of cool it is out here. Right. I once thought, I, uh, Keith Villa of Saria Beverage and the founder, the guy that made Blue Moon, his, he's got a homebrew setup that I thought, you know, Similar kind of thing, you know, building in the back of his house that I thought was the best homebrew setup that I had ever seen until I saw this brewery. We'll take it. We'll take that. Yeah, <laughs> this is by far the best homebrewery. We'll take it. Yeah. Biggest yeah. homebrewery, yeah, too. Right. Yeah. So it's just uh, kind of just grown over the t- over the years. And yeah. Cool. When, uh, you know, what's the what's in the beer focus? When, you know, obviously you start a brewery. It's like we want to make great beer, but you also generally have a point of view. And, uh, you know, and so what what uh, defines the beers that you all make and release? I think we'd, we'd like to make just a lot of clean, easy drinking, hoppier, leaning beers. Um, I mean, we definitely try to make all styles to try to, you know, make all of our guests happy. Sure. But we definitely lean more American or English style, uh, mix in some other stuff occasionally. But it's generally our our wheelhouse is those hoppier pale ales to lagers. Uh, we definitely really enjoy brewing lagers and just letting them hang out and, you know, seeing what happens in a couple months. Sure, sure. And you do have tap rooms, uh, you know, there's a public facing side of the brewery yes. too. Yeah, yeah, we have two tap rooms, one in Gilbert um, and then one in downtown Mesa at 12 West Main Street where the, the namesake comes from. Makes sense, makes sense. Andrew, what's your background? I uh, I worked in the restaurant industry for years and years um, since I was, before, before I was 20. Um, and then I was kind of tired of being upper management in restaurants and uh, went to BJ's started at the bottom server bartender and I ended up being the person to converse with for the head brewer at the time who had taken over for Derek Osborne of Petal House. He had just left as I had come in uh, and he would talk to me about beer and I didn't like beer at the time, but I thought the process was cool. And he talked to me during my morning bartender shifts and I came in on one Saturday and he, we made a stout. That was the first beer. It was Tataka stout that I ever made, uh, helped to make. And, um, I came home that night and talked to my wife's ear off about everything I learned. And, uh, it became my next hyper fixation. And I said, Hey, uh, I, can make less money, but I'll be so much more happy. (laughs) And, uh, she said, yeah, do it. No, you're miserable as a front facing employee. So (laughs) that'd be great. Um, and from there I went from keg washer to, uh, assistant brewer to brewing, uh, the majority of the time. And then from there, I kind of learned about as much as I could from that place. And uh, I was at the time looking 
for an exit passively, and I actually got approached by the by the uh, previous well, one of the previous uh, co-founders, Noel. He uh, approached me out of nowhere. I didn't even reach out. And this Twelve West at the time was my favorite brewery. I had finally gotten into beer a year after learning how to make it. I didn't like beer the first year of making beer. Interesting. I didn't like the taste of it at all, huh. but it was fun to do. So why not? Okay. <laughs> and, um, the reluctant brewer. Yeah, exactly. So I'd, I'd taste a beer and go, that tastes the way it should, but I hate it. So, um, but he approached me and I talked to my wife and I said, Hey, I'll take a slight pay cut again, but I'll be happier. <laughs> and, uh, how much beer do you all make out of this, uh, garage? About we've the last couple of years we've done about sixteen hundred barrels. Oh. Uh, one year we did two thousand, so that's kind of the the range of sixteen to two thousand. And yeah, you do have a, a full on packaging line. You do uh, you know, do you, you put some beer out into local distribution then or yeah, Total Wine is probably our biggest yeah. uh, account that way. Our tap rooms also go through quite a bit of cans, packaged stuff. Of course, um, of but yeah, we have quite a few other you know local liquor stores, those kind of places. Always always looking for more, but yeah, at this point, Total Wine is definitely the. The one sure. that helps us out. Like I said, craziest uh, homebrew uh, anywhere if you're uh, producing 1,600 to 2,000 barrels a year out of uh, the brewery. Anyway, let, we're gonna, let's talk about how you uh, design, think about, and uh, you know, and brew some of these uh, hoppy lagers and then, uh, of course, hop, uh, hop forward IPAs and whatnot, too. Before we do that, streamline efficiency with Omega Yeast's Diastal Knockout Series. The DKO Series is comprised of eight familiar yeast strains engineered to knock out the formation of diacetyl before it starts. The strains you know now better available now for made-to-order pitchables at any volume. Contact Omega Yeast today at omegayeast.com. Also, ABS Commercial has been a full-service brewery outfitter for over 10 years. They are proud to offer brew houses, tanks, keg washers, and preventative maintenance parts to brewers across the country, as well as equipment for distilling, cider making, wine making, and more. They know the ins and outs of the brewing and installation process and can design the perfect setup for you, whether you're just starting out or looking to expand. Contact them today at sales at abs-commercial.com to discuss your customized brewery needs. ABS Commercial, we are brewers. And are you planning a brewery considering the purchase of an existing brewery, or are you working in the industry and kicking around the idea of realizing your own brewery vision? If any of these apply, go to breweryworkshop.com right now. Check out our upcoming Brewery Accelerator, March 24th through 27th in Austin, Texas. Some of our favorite award-winning brewers are joining us to help share their knowledge you need, like Marcus Baskerville of Weathered Souls, Joe Morfeld of Pine House, and Neil Fisher of Weldworks. Of course, I'll be there moderating panels, meeting with folks, and everything else, too. Um, this will be the only Brewery Accelerator event in 2024, so don't wait. Secure your spot now at breweryworkshop.com. I know uh, as we're recording this, there are only a couple of tickets left, so if you're interested, do it now. All right. As you guys think about beers, let's talk about brewing itself now, Gully. Uh, you know, whether it's a, it's a, brew, a beer like Radial Spines didn't uh, exist when you joined the brewery. It's something that you all had to develop as a you know creative process. Talk to me about what that creative process looks like for you. You know, you had Zona Pills, um, you know, pretty uh, kind of a, you know, an existing, uh, you know, pills near the people uh, already had some attachment to. How did you go about thinking about brewing a beer like Radial Spines, where you're going to amp that hopping up, um, you know, and, and uh, create this more this West Coast Pilsner approach? Where does the creative piece start? Um, well, I think realistically, the creative part of that is we were just kind of watching uh, an award, one of the awards, JBF, for one of them, and we were saw somebody had one for a hoppy lager, and we so we started checking it out and saw Citra Mosaic and we're like, wait, I, we have that and we can make, you know, I bet we can make a pretty good, we're, we would already been making some hoppy lagers, but yeah. why not try, you know, the two staples and at this point or two of the staples and, you know, brewing. So it was kind of, that was realistically the start of how the, the recipe was, or, you know, wanting to brew the recipe was, right. well, wait, that sounds pretty cool. Like, I bet we could do something kind of cool with that. Lager like let's, with Citra Mosaic. Yeah. yeah. Let's make a little, little, uh, West coast, you know? So then it was like, all right, well we can do this. And, I think we've only done about three batches of it. So it's only, we're still kind of learning when we're doing it. And at the, the first batch, there wasn't really as many IPLs or examples out there that we could try. Well, you didn't so just, just call it an IPL, or, did you? Uh, <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Uh, you a, did a hoppy, okay. oh, a, a hoppy lager. Sorry. Hoppy yeah, lager. I, was, okay. I was going with the, the older term, you know, not the, not the new. 
we're not we're not going to try to we're not going to you know pay credence to to that old school folks uh, the the it's just an IPL like no no anyway <laughs> sorry for distracting you on yeah that yeah one. um so yeah so realistically that's kind of just where it started just kind of seeing what we could do with some fun hops and then uh yeah that seems so simple there so you you have this inspiration of uh, hey wait a second we could do it this way how did you you know start thinking about a recipe where how did you start building a recipe. I mean, uh, did you just build it off of a, your same basic pills recipe? I mean, uh, imagine it's almost all Pilsner malt, if not 100%. It's a, there's a little bit more to this one. This one, uh, we did kind of start with our basic pills recipe and then just add a little bit. Uh, this one's about 70% Weirman premium pills, 20% white wheat, and then a little bit of Carafoam and then a, a little bit of Munich. So it's got a little bit more to it than just you know, like Zona's just 100% uh, Czech Saws and Weirman premium pills. Yeah. So a little more going on than that, but... Yeah, it was just kind of a start with the base. Well, talk to me about the reasoning behind that. Like, uh, you know, how did how, you start? Now you're adding wheat into, a, you know, a West Coast pills. Well, we're definitely moving into this kind of hybrid uh, lager, uh, you know, IPA territory at that point. Yeah, I think that was kind of just the thought process was trying to figure out how to blend, you know, like, say, our West Coast IPA with or with Zona and see how to get a kind of happy, you know, median with our uh, West Coast lager back then, we were using some caramalt. So instead of using caramalt, we went with Munich. So it was still gave it a little bit of yeah. malt, but not as not as caramel forward. So yeah, I think that was a lot of the thinking behind that, and then just trying to give it some head retention, nice fluffy white, you know. Sure. Head, so got to look good in a glass. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and how much of this is like driven by the hop load that you're you're projecting for this? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> You know, it, it sounds like with, uh, you know, with the kind of wheat component that you're adding to it, you know, having some additional feeling of body to it was uh, somewhat important. Yeah. Um, in order to just kind of handle all of these additional hops. Yeah, we didn't want to go, you know, too crazy with the hops. They're all Whirlpool edition hops, but we definitely wanted it to have more mouthfeel than just say a real, you know, light lager. Right. It definitely fits this this space that we see for West Coast. When we, West Coast Pilsner or, you know, cold pale ale i mean there's some you know, there's this interesting crossover between those things although this one you know as i'm we're i'm we'll be honest it's the morning but we're drinking one right now just so i can uh, make sure that i'm on top of uh, what we're talking about you know and there still is this kind of um you know maybe uh sulfury brightness to it that uh that definitely put makes it a different feeling beer than you know say uh you know a, a west coast pale ale of some sort yeah correct yeah, I think, I mean, we try to bung it early enough so that we can try to hold on to a little bit of that, you know, sulfur. All right. You're skipping ahead on me right now where <laughs> I've got, I've, I'm, we're way further you know, back in the linear process here. And I have to, you, as everyone who listens to the podcast knows, I'm slavishly attached to following our linear process. No, I'm not. we'll get back to that in a, in a minute. And I just, just simply to say that as we're thinking about it conceptually, even though there is crossover there, that uh, this definitely does not taste like, you know, a West coast pale ale. It definitely has that lager, uh, that Pilsner characteristic to it that you're looking for. So why, uh, you know, something like this with, with uh, Citra, you know, and mosaic, why uh Weirman, uh, you know, uh, premium pills. That seems like an expensive ingredient selection for, uh, for something that's going to get bowled over, uh, you know, with, uh, with this kind of hop load, or is it just something that you keep in for your pills? Yeah, I mean, realistically, wire, uh, Weirman premium pills is basically our in-house. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Base malt. So we use that for most everything. Uh, we'll order specialty malt for some things two yeah. row and whatever we need. But for the most part, it's just order pallets of, premium pills and then that's what you got yeah that's what we got sure sure how about the weed is there anything to it uh, or there's just some weed variety a certain weed variety that you like we, we basically just use the raw white wheat yeah yeah cool cool so uh and then, then let's let's talk about anything to the mash on this one uh looks like you all are not necessarily set up for uh, uh you know crazy lager no. mash <laughs> strategies on this brew house here how do you how does that process then work for you um, so the mash for us, um, I mean, we actually somewhat recently, uh, disconnected our mash tun from the steam jackets. Uh, we, we have a very interesting setup. Uh, we can't, we can't blend water like, uh, even brewery, the previous brewery I worked at. Uh, so anytime we need it, 
specific temperature for mash. We have to heat the entire hot liquor tank to the specific temperature we need um, and hold it there and hope it doesn't go up or down during the mash in, which 99 out of 100 times it sticks because we've used it so many times that we just know. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so uh, we, I mean, with radial, it's it's slightly lower, but not so dry, right? I mean, it's not like yeah, zona level. Uh, mash temp is 150. Okay. So yeah, so it's, it's on the, on the lower end for us for sure. But, um, you know, that's just hoping that we get a little bit of that kind of crisp dryness from, uh, all the converted sugars during mash. Um, and as much lager characteristic from the malt that we can. So it's not cloyingly sweet. I mean, there, there are definitely routes you can take to counteract that, but we just want to brew as close of a just straight lager base right. that happens to have extra hop character to it and it can stand up to it. So we're not having to reinvent the wheel. So definitely the single infusion lager camp right here, you know, um, you know, with all, we've talked to lots of brewers that are doing it this way and, uh, you know, as much as a, a step mash or decoction, uh, as much as Joe saying our managing or now executive editor might, uh, want to argue for the necessity of it. Uh, it's also awesome and fascinating to see folks that are making great loggers without having, well, without going through that process and yeah. lots of metal winning brewers are doing that too. You know, so single infusion mash process, um, you know, where do you go from there? Anything about the you know the the way that you you know finish from uh, you know sparging runoff and then uh, the rest the next step of the brew process. So I mean for us because this is a smaller amount of malt um, with ours uh, it's not as it's not as small amount as like Zona. So Zona fills if if the um, average beer we make like say above six percent fills about half of our mash ton with grain. Zona fills like a third uh this one sure, is sure. Some, somewhere in between um even though it is only a five ish percent right. beer um it it doesn't necessitate any extra steps right, for right. us like with you know um uh like with one of our ipas where it's just a an insane amount of grain sure, in there sure. and almost overflowing um but usually we, I mean, for us, it's all about timing and looks for our brew house because of how basic uh, it's the, it was made for us. And, um, you know, we just kind of look and go, all right, I can almost see the grain bed. Give it five more minutes as long as it doesn't get stuck and <laughs> yeah. then start sparge. And, you know, for us, sparge is just hitting hot liquor through a spray ball. We don't have sparge spray yeah. uh, nozzles uh, like some brew houses do. But um, for us, it's, you know, start it hard. Hopefully we can kind of disturb a little bit of the grain bed on top and then slow it real down until we're barely just kind of trickling in to where it's almost counteracting the lotter speed. Mm -hmm. um, and then for lotter, for us, we start it. Um, I mean, for us, it's, you know, it's all numbers that mean nothing to anybody without our brew house. Sure, but, sure. Um, you know, we start at uh, 14 hertz. Uh, out of 50 for our pump uh, for lauder. And then as the head pressure increases in the kettle, uh, it fills the grant, which our grant is a uh, keg with, with the top cut off. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's making it's, us sound it, fancy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I'm not trying to make anybody jealous. Um, but, um, but yeah, so as the... You know what would make people jealous? Yeah. Mentioning that you have an in-house sanitary welder that can just fabricate all of this yeah, stuff absolutely. for you because of, it, of yeah. the other businesses that are... Yeah, yeah. 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 CJ is nice to have around. Yeah, yeah, we have... Uh, he made that for us. All of our blow-off buckets are... So you were trying not to brag, yeah. but uh, <laughs> there we go. All of our blow-off buckets are slim kegs that we cut the tops off of and cleaned up. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so lauder for us, um, on average, hour 45 two hours depending um lately uh we we've been going a little over but we're still kind of fine-tuning a, a mill that we've had um for the since the beginning that whose manufacturer went out of business i want to say seven minutes after they sold us the mill so uh um, so we just kind of give it our own TLC and it's, it's pretty finicky. Like, you know, everybody's brew house, unless they got like a, you know, day one brow con or 
premiere or something right. that, you know, and even then those I'm sure come with their own host of problems because it's human error. I mean, that's just kind of sure, how it works. Sure. But, um, but yeah, we'll fill. And then our kettle, um, will, <laughs> we, uh, we actually also, when we fill our kettle, we eyeball it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we, we've gotten real good with having, uh, brewed with, our measurements of flow meter for so long, we know exactly, um, when something is, all right, we've right. got 1660 liters. That's at this part on the spray ball. And, uh, I mean, we knock out almost exactly 12 barrels every single time. And we, uh, we've gotten pretty decent at looking at, you know, a sight glass on a bright tank and going, Oh, that's oh, cool. Like 19 and a half barrels into that one. That's awesome. So that's a good yield, you know, just kind of go from there. Sure. But. Sure. Well on the, you know, then you, you kick into hot side there. What is, what's hopping in the, you know, in radial spines and a, you know, West coast to the pills I mean, look like for you. We took it again, took it pretty easy. We try to keep recipes as easy. You know, they're uh, brewer built recipes. They're not a uh, too, <laughs> too difficult generally but uh with this one we just did two pounds of uh cryo citra and two pounds of cryo mosaic all in the whirlpool all in the whirlpool just, so yeah no other bittering then no didn't didn't we don't really you're have gonna any, get enough alpha from those just yeah. just in a whirlpool right it's yeah. at about 41 ibus you know on through beer smith is what it tells me but sure i haven't had it tested but that's what it tells me is it about and i, I believe it close enough i, I believe it too <laughs> and uh um you know but why so why cryo and and why push it all into the whirlpool. I mean, you know, obviously once you're there and then, uh, um, you know, obviously whirlpool temperature impacts that kind of, uh, isomerization, like, uh, you know, it's maybe a little less, um, firm in terms yeah. of, uh, you know, the, the exact bitterness, bitterness but, yeah. uh, yeah, I think we just kind of wanted it to be a little softer, a little bit more flavor forward as opposed to just bitterness, you know, right. get that really right. get that aroma out of it. Uh, we do use probably 90% uh, cryo hops here. Um, a lot huh. of our contracts are just our cryo. We have contracts for cryo, Amarillo, Citra, and Mosaic. So that is just something that we use a lot of. Um, we do quite a bit of, like, extensive. Why, why is that? Why do you, you know, find that cryo across all of your, you know, hop forward beers is the way that you want to go? I think we've just been happy with, uh, you know, obviously not having so much loss is the big thing. Um, yeah, yeah. With a beer like our Pilsner, we have to use a whole bag of uh, check saws because it's at like 1.8 alpha. Right. And, you know, we're getting 11 IBUs out of it or whatever it is. So that, uh, I think that definitely helps. And we haven't seen any, like, neg- or haven't received any, like, negative feedback from, from using cryo instead of t90s or haven't seen any big differences yeah so i think that's the biggest reason why we've just kind of stuck with cryo and efficiency on a small brew house yeah yeah Yeah, it makes sense and then you know in terms of uh you know flavor and intensity you say you don't notice any difference uh are there any positives i mean no negatives is a good thing but are there any also any positives i think on this it helps uh you know just really packing it in uh, in the whirlpool you know with all that with the cryo um but yeah i haven't really had any other feedback too much from you know we've only done it a couple times a few times now right, so i don't right. exactly have unfortunately any no, other that's, that's fair <laughs> you know but, i mean you're thinking about whirlpool process you know it, whether it's i you know pil- uh, hazy sorry not hazy west coast pilsner or uh, or a hazy ipa you know um, using cryo in that kind of capacity are you getting the full you know kind of extraction and impact that you expect you know it's a concentrated hot product and uh, you know are there any things that you do in that kind of whirlpool process to make sure that you're you're getting from that concentrated hot product what you're hoping to get from it um i guess we've just not really anything specific yeah. we've kind of just you know ran it the few times i the more that we talk about it and the more that i listen to podcasts and stuff the more i want to use flowables and try sure, to mess sure, with some sure. stuff but Kind of like what we were talking about before was we're also a very busy small staff and it's right. a lot of time if it's not broke don't fix it kind of thing so it's a don't don't change anything too much and kind of run with it but there is a yeah the more that i listen to this and you know do these kind of things the more i <laughs> i do i mean i want to make like a a hoppy uh, beer you know tomorrow just because it seems fun but just uh yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry if we're gonna. We don't want to ruin your the processes that are working for you now by uh, you know opening up this other Pandora's box. Um, when it comes to whirlpool, do you adjust the temperature based on the goal for bitterness? I mean, imagine a hazy IPA. 
you know, you know, I, you know, thinking about it, I might lower what whirlpool temperature for that versus something like a, this, uh, you know, radial spines. I might, yeah. you know, whirlpool a little bit warmer. Or if you don't really have the ability to change that temperature, so we then do. you may just do, yeah. <laughs> we do, but not really. I mean, it is just a two vessel brew house. Uh, we can, you know, restrict the heat exchanger and get the temp down. Right, I mean, right. it does take a little while. Uh, we do generally do that with our hazies, um, yeah. but yeah, we didn't with any of the hoppy loggers or with radial. We kind of wanted that actual punch. It seems like we get about 204 is the average temp for whirlpool and rest. Yeah, so we still get a pretty good extraction, pretty good you know high right, temp out right. of it. So, so. it is going to grab some uh, some IBUs, especially at that temperature. Yeah, or at least for a while. I imagine drops a little bit. Uh, you know, as you're yeah. going through the whole process, right? Um, you know, how long do you whirlpool for then? Uh, so we spin it for 10 minutes and then let it rest for 25 and then it takes about <laughs> 25 minutes for us to knock out as well. So include that time, but sure. Sure. Um, where do you go from there? You know, you, now we pop into fermentation and now the, all the fun parts of uh, lager brewing come into play here and should mention you're using, you're, you're fermenting in cylindroconicals. Um, you know, where do you, what, uh, in terms of yeast choice, what do you use for for your lagers? Uh, again, we try to keep it simple. We use a lot of uh, USO five for our our uh, you know ales, and then right. uh, thirty four seventy for pretty much all of our lagers. Every once in a while, we use some specialty yeast, some Augustiner yeah. or something. But yeah, we usually uh, pretty much just keep it thirty four seventy. Keep it simple bricks and use uh yeah. All right. Good. So, so what's the fermentation process then look like? So it's usually two with our loggers. It's usually two turns. We kind of over pitch the first one. Um, okay. and then brew two again. turns in one day, two turns, two days, over. two turns in two days. <laughs> We've got the drought louse in there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's my new favorite term. Uh, you know, uh, all thanks to Vinny for, for putting that one in my head. Right. I can't get it out now. So yeah. So we let it, uh, yeah, just kind of, uh, over pitch a little bit for the single batch at first and then let it go overnight and then brew another batch into it the next day. Mm-hmm. Generally let it ferment at about 52 for five so or six. The two day process is driven by the, you know, the volume needs just for sales purposes then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we do have a, a couple 30 barrel tanks that will triple batch into two in one day and then a single mm-hmm. batch the following yeah. day. Yeah. A lot of times it's just, we don't have enough cold, cold water in here and right. Arizona, it takes a long time to get that water cold. Um, yeah. So yeah, a lot of times it's just necessity that we have to do them back to back days. Makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, fermented about fifty two for five or six days. Hopefully boosted to sixty to sixty two. So you put a single pitch of yeast then in with the first batch the first day, and then that's enough yeast yeah. to it grows up overnight. And yeah. By the time you load the second batch, yeah, in. very little oxygen the the second day, and then just yeah. basically just enough to kind of push it out. And Normal amount of oxygen first day yeah. then. Okay, yeah. Just for that. Yeah. Yeah. And then just yeah, let it sit. A, for get it up to about 60 for hopefully another five or six days and then set a timer for up six to 60. Yeah. Why do you talk to me about that? Well, just what's your normal fermentation temperature. And it's, I, this is all of, I imagine in the recipe that we have in the magazine. Right. And so I don't know why I'm making sure that we have all of these details out there, but <laughs> make sure we're not everyone liars. should double check by uh, checking that yeah, recipe. In the I magazine. hope I'm right. Uh, yeah. So we fermented at 52, um, you know, through the, fermentation then hopefully get it up to about 60 to get through a diacetyl rest um and then bung it yeah go from there um what that seems like a kind of a long time for a diacetyl rest yeah i kind of agree but at the same time it's it's worked so far and it's kind of just been again one of those things where it's just like let it go and so five or six days and then that kind of long i mean it almost i mean that 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 is different that you know normally we might have a longer cold fermentation and then a shorter diacetyl rest yeah yeah we i mean sometimes they get up to a week of each a week at colder and then a week up at diacetyl or getting to diacetyl rarely ever yeah it's it's summer it's 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 a degree or two okay without a year slowly rises up yeah sure sure and then yeah just crash it for six weeks Hopefully, forget it, bung it, and forget about it for six weeks. <laughs> well, somehow we just missed the dry hop process oh, in yeah, there, though, well. because we're talking about West Coast uh, Pilsner. Like, there's there's definitely a dry hop in there. When when does that figure into this? Just about a week before we transfer it. Yeah. So yeah, we just yeah, it'll, uh, get, it'll get five days of hop on uh, beer contact. And five then, days. Five days. Yeah, that's it, usually our dry hop time. Five to seven, depending on the beer. Yeah. Uh, if we're doing like a split or a double dry hop, we'll do a smaller charge. Um, maybe seven days in 
and then a larger charge five days, uh, sorry, seven days away and then five days away from transfer. Uh, and then with the logger, it's five days is fine. Uh, especially the colder temp, it's, it could stand longer. Um, but we, we've noticed any beers that we give too much time and too much volume of hop on beer, it, it gets a little vegetal, a little burn Mm -hmm. sensation, that kind of hop creep. So we've done what we can to avoid that. Um, there are beers that we've, we've had that we've made that, just aren't as pleasant and we, you know, we never really hear much as far as right. negative, you know, oh, this, this one burned me, you know, whatever, yeah, but yeah. we notice it and that's kind of where our heads stay is, oh crap, everybody's going to hate our beer. Sure, so, <laughs> sure. Let's cut that back. But. So you're mentioning before transfer, um, you know, then if you are also bunging your tanks, you know, then is this dry hopping happening before this process? Or is it happening then when the beer now ha- has some carbonation in it? I guess it kind of has a little bit of carbonation in it, but okay. we do unbung it for a couple of days before we'll dry hop it and okay. then let, let any of that carbonation hopefully creep out. Just thinking about like hot geysers and, and yeah. whatnot. And so then what, what temperature is this then happening at uh, for the dry hopping process? It's actually getting dry hopped at 35. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's it's, it's all the way nice fully crashed. And yeah. Citra mosaic dry hop at 35. <laughs> Yikes. We just, it's weird around here, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I imagine, well, I mean, also at that temperature, you're not necessarily going to get uh, hop creep and, uh, you know, additional fermentation activity. Yeah. So, and of course, if it's post-crash, then you're, yeah. you know, your yeast is pretty much out of solution before you're doing that too. Okay. Yeah, we dropped it out, hopefully, you know, weeks ago, you know, dropped the yeast off weeks ago and then. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now I, I fully understand. Thanks for bearing with me, uh, you know, as I, as I, as you know, try to track through that process. Yeah. And that's the cryo hops also. It's about two pounds per barrel. So nothing, nothing Cryo too crazy. Cryo hops at 35 degrees. Oh, okay. <laughs> Again, we have them, so might as well use them. You're like fighting your efficiency in so many different ways <laughs> here. Like uh, we're going to make it really under efficient by, you know, doing cold and then crank it up with cryo but, yeah, hops. Yeah, it's balance. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's uh, a little bit crazy. Yeah. Uh, where does where it go from there? I mean, realistically, that's just about it. Finish it off and yeah. uh, you know, carb it up, then uh, or finish the carb. Throw a little biofine in it and let it let it sit in a bright tank until it's needed, and then uh, yeah, carb it up and package it. Yeah, yeah cool. usually, usually I'll transfer it. Um, I'll uh, transfer onto a liter per ten barrels of expected product of biofine, um, and then twenty four forty eight hours is usually enough time for it to clarify enough. Um, anything like a hoppy lager or something that gets a little extra to it that wouldn't normally, um, takes a little longer to clarify, but I mean, with radial compared to like Zona where it doesn't get a dry hop, um, Zona is going to be clearer sooner, but it, it has a comparable taste to it where Zona tastes the way it should radial tastes the way it should radial just takes like. 20% 20% longer to clarify, but <laughs> sure. I, I've not heard a complaint yet. So, <laughs> so that, and, and this is, you know, newer territory. I mean, hoppy lager, not a lot of people are, you know, oh, this is supposed to be clear. This needs a little haze. You know, it's not like, it's not like the eighties and nineties where oh, this, this is what it has to be. It has to be this SRM, this clarity, this IBUs. So you guys can just make up the rules as you go along. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Obviously, obviously you just heard what we do for the beer. Yeah. So. <laughs> it's all eyeballing and yeah. you know, we'll just try to have fun. You know, if we're not having fun, then it's not really, it's the, the beautiful part at the formation of, of new beer styles as things start coming together where anything is possible and it's not about rules following. It's simply about where could we take this or we have a vague idea and then like, hey, what if we did this and you know, and, and this other way or we're just going to find our own process around it. And that's uh, it's the beauty of the creativity the brewers bring to all of this that, uh, you know, it doesn't it's not simply trying to brew to some like platonic standard for what this could be. It's it's exploring and finding out uh, where the options are and how we can make these different interesting and, and good. So, um, cool. How do you think about the, the flavor of it? Uh, you know, Citra Mosaic, it definitely doesn't uh, have the kind of fruitiness necessarily that we might get out of Citra Mosaic within, uh, you know, more of an ale fermentation, you know, or that kind of hazy IPA thing. But there's a little bit of, you know, of that in there. It just also has, you know, more of that, a little more, I mean, and I assume that cold dry hop and some of that just bring out a little more of the herbal character of those hops with 
you know, just a little glimpse of, of fruitiness in there. Yeah. Yeah. I think, again, we kind of just wanted to keep it easy drinking, just, you know, very crushable, something that you'd, you know, want another sip of. So it wasn't going to go too, too far in any direction. Didn't want it to be too citrusy or too floral. It's just kind of have enough of everything to where it's like, oh, wow, that's, that's kind of cool. I, I want another sip. Yeah, to your hazy IPA fans that have an idea of what Citra and Mosaic taste like, uh, how do they respond to this? Because it definitely, you know, feels like a different beer. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't <laughs> think. I don't think they associate them together. Okay. Fair um, enough. Fair <laughs> enough. It's not a big part of the marketing strategy. Yeah, no, we haven't. We haven't leaned into that too hard. That's fair. Well, let's you know, let's pivot. Let's uh, let's talk about IPA now for a minute. Before we do that, SS Brewtech was founded by a group of home and craft beer brewers dedicated to bringing an engineering first approach to brewery equipment. SS brew houses are used to formulate new beer recipes at some of the world's greatest breweries and are the cornerstone of many local breweries. To learn more about SS Brewtech's innovation list, head on over to ssbrewtech.com. Also, did you know your water can change the flavor profile of your beer? Water is the number one ingredient, after all, in uswatersystems.com knows just how to treat it. USwatersystems.com has been at the forefront of the craft brewing industry and created American-made water treatment systems with brewers in mind. Whether you're a hobbyist or a pro, head on over to USwatersystems.com to learn more because great beer starts here. Let's talk about IPA. Gully, uh, you know, as you guys guys are, you know, you, you make... West Coast IPA, you make uh, or West Coast style IPA. You're not really on a coast here, but uh, uh, close enough. I mean, yeah. you know, Arizona. It's kind of like you know California East, right? Little brother, we wish. Yeah, yeah, yeah close enough, close enough. Uh, and a lot of that Southern California beer actually makes it out here to, to Arizona too. So, um, you know, as you, you uh, but you also make hazy IPA and, uh, and do pretty well with that. Uh, you know, do you have a, a kind of overarching IPA philosophy or? Uh, some buckets that uh, you like, uh, you know, making IPA within. I mean, we definitely enjoy making the more you know West Coast style leaning IPAs, pale ales, that kind of stuff. Um, we really like experimenting with whatever hops we can get our hands on. We have a lot of you know contracts, like we were mentioning, but we do like to try to mix them up. See, you know, again, just kind of see what other people have done. Make sure that it hasn't like had really bad feedback by missing cashmere and cascade or some, you know, just make sure that somebody else hasn't tested this out and found out that it doesn't work. But yeah, we've kind of just, uh, you check the bad, uh, untapped ratings. <laughs> exactly. from, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, it's again, it's the negative selection process. Not, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think we just like to kind of have fun with it. Keep it, you know, like again, just keep them clean, keep them drinkable. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, well, walk me through. A, say you're going to develop a new uh, West Coast IPA or some uh, some variation on uh, one of your existing kind of core IPAs. You know, how do you how do you start that process? What what is IP? How do you build a an IPA recipe then? Um, with a lot and of let's talk about it in the West Coast context, right? Of the hazy. Um, I think with a lot of them, we just kind of start with base recipes that we know have worked for us in the past. Um, sticking with that environment, premium pills. Uh, We've kicked out premium most. pills, even in the IPA space. Yeah, okay. yeah, pretty much everything. Um, yeah, I would say like probably ninety percent of our beers at this point wow. are uh, premium pills. Yeah, I mean they lower the cost by like ten cents of the other, you know, recently. So it's totally uh, it's, it's basically free now. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah, so we, but it also gives you that, that kind of light Pilsner color exactly, yeah. and, uh, you know, I guess really hopefully lets the hops shine through. I mean, obviously we want a little bit of malt backbone to balance things, but for the most part, we really want to let the hops, you know, be at the forefront and yeah. not getting, not let the malt get in the way. Sure. So yeah, just try to keep it light, premium pills, some white wheat, maybe some carafoam. And then, yeah. Kind of what just, kind of percentages for, uh, you know, for weed, you still in the 20% range or? Um, yeah, probably maybe less than that. It might be the 15 kind yeah. of percent range for, for those. Just enough to give it a little bit of, a little bit of softness and a little bit, a little bit more body. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, mash those at about 152 and then kind of just, yeah, with the hops, we kind of just, uh, hopefully that we can keep it kind of a medium body on the, you know, yeah. the grain. But yeah, hops, we kind of just like to mess around with, see what we can, see what we have, what we can play or what we have done, what we haven't done, you know, just. Kind of go from there. What are some of your favorites uh, then on the hop side? Hop side, that's what I said. Uh, I think Citra is still probably just the easy go-to. Strata's another big uh, favorite around here. Um, Belma, I would say. Is Belma? One of, I, I really like yeah. Belma. I like that, like strawberry, melon. Yeah. So I'm a big fan. We're a big fan of Melma. How do you use Belma? 
Um, we use it in a few of our beers. We use uh, Belma and Mosaic in quite a few. Um, Belma Nelson Nelson and quite two. a few other ones. Yeah. So I think it kind of uh, lends well with other hops. Equal too. balance, or does, uh, does it usually, have a? Usually, yeah. There there are times where we'll tweak it. Like, I mean. Uh, if ever I write one of my weird convoluted recipes, uh, it will kind of stagger everything as it goes. Um, but for the most what part, do you mean by that? um, I'll, I'll, um, I'll usually have one hop. It'll kind of almost be like an overlapping, uh, I don't know how to describe it, but basically I'll, I'll have like a bittering hop for an IPA that's pretty neutral. I'm not worried about, you know, something that we have extra of, or is just high alpha and yeah. not worried about it. Um, then I'll have something that's more late hot edition, uh, maybe equal parts, if not slightly higher of one for Whirlpool, and then possibly um, higher concentration of one or the other that didn't get as much flavor for the dry hop. But, um, you know, that's, that's interesting. So rather than just 50 50 all the way along, you push some up here and some down there. And it, it depends. Why? I, I mean, I mean, for me, uh, like, let me see if I can find it. Um, I, you know, like I said, I, I enjoy writing weird convoluted uh, recipes <laughs> just to make it harder. on yourself. Um, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Myself and sometimes him, although any of the weird ones, um, I, I write, I usually have to brew because, uh, I, I, I make it a little difficult. Um, so I mean the only, the only real like bigger name recipe that I've written, that's a, it's a hazy IPA. Um, it's a, it's a, I tried to make it very much like, uh, Captain Crunchberries, uh, huh. without, without using any cereal, you know, right. trying to do like a kind of gimmicky hype beer without a bunch of adjunct. Uh, I used, you know, flaked wheat or sorry, flaked oats, flaked corn, uh, milk sugar, some lactose, um, and then golden naked oats, carafoam, and then two row base. Uh, we called it Lieutenant Chomp. Um, but it's got Strata, Belma, Cryo Mosaic, and I believe we added Cryo Amarillo. Just anything I could find with berry as huh. the characteristic. That one actually is pretty much 50-50. You work off of the the descriptor, descriptors? Mm, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of go off of those and go, all right, this one, if you add... Do you find that those actually align with uh, the your sensory from your hops, the ho- actual hops that you have? It, for the most part, yes. There have been some that have definitely been a little misleading in dis, uh, description, or you know, it could possibly be that I've just used them in a way that our brew house isn't capable, or I just didn't use them the right way they needed to be. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I I do tend to write recipes where I can get as much out of a hop as possible while not releasing too many of its, uh, quote unquote, negative characteristics. You know, if if a hop is piney and berry and I'm trying to make a berry flavored beer, I don't want that pine coming out. (laughs) How do you you, uh, adjust and manipulate that then in the brew itself? Um, I mean, when I'm tweaking a recipe, I, I usually equate, uh, that kind of isomerization and heat toward unlocking more. Mm. Um, and so usually a whirlpool addition will, um, be enough and especially at a lower temperature, uh, for us, like for example, for this one, um, the whirlpool temp average was 185. And so we, uh, whirlpooled it till it got down to in our, you know, uh, the Celsius conversion, but, uh, 185F, um, in the whirlpool and then throwing hops in, um, which then that brings that average total to what, what I need it to be. And that one did, um, it did have the tiniest bit of hop creep, but that was still, I was pretty early in writing recipes and I'm sure the next time we do it, I'm going to do some, do a little more homework and try and tweak it, refine it because, you know, every, you rarely are you perfecting it on recipe one batch one. So. Sure, sure. Are you, you know, do some of the decisions, you know, for your staggering process there involve, you know, where you think a hop, a certain hop may express a little bit better, whether that's whirlpool or dry hop or, you know, et cetera. Um, yeah, yeah, it really, um, depends. Are there certain hops that you find you want to boost a little bit more in the dry hop, but they maybe don't do as well in the whirlpool versus those that really need some of that heat in the whirlpool and you might, you know, boost them up there and, and, bring them back down a little bit in the dry hop. Yeah. 
Yeah, I would say um, certain hops like, I mean, Mosaic. Mosaic is amazing in every edition. I mean, you can you can do a 90-minute with Mosaic and get <laughs> sure. get an awesome beer. But um, I find not Let's like try. it's... Let's yeah. try. Let's make a 90-minute <laughs> edition Mosaic, uh, mosaic yeah. beer. We have, a, we have a triple IPA we, yeah. with all Mosaic, yeah. all cryo Mosaic. Yeah. There is a 60 or 90-minute edition. Yeah, so. nice. <laughs> yeah it nice. gets an inordinate amount of... Uh, cryo mosaic but this beer is dangerous cryo mosaic in 90 minutes oh man yeah it it (laughs) gets um it it reads at although i think we've cut it back a little but the initial recipe read at about 130 ibus which after 100 i don't even think the human palate can register that (laughs) but but um it drinks it drinks less bitter than a 70 ibu it's it's all red candy and uh, mango flavors and it's just it's so incredibly well balanced and it's phenomenal i mean if if we could make it more we would but we like that rarity that exclusivity and um it's also a it's, crazy expensive beer to it's make so that is a fact yeah, yeah. yeah we make we get to make like half as much volume as we normally do while maxing out everything in our brew sure, house. sure so so yeah and then there's that ceiling of people what yeah. people really will pay exactly. for a four pack of uh, even of a triple ipa although i i Saw that Arizona Wilderness was selling some $30 four packs <laughs> yesterday. I'm like, that is amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, to try to get what it, again, rather than just losing money on a triple IPA yeah. to make, ha- and, you know, customers happier. And than, we, we try to, we try to be competitive yeah. with our pricing yeah. while not, you know, um, gouging and simultaneously not undercutting everybody else so much that we look like the bad guys. Like, you know, here's, here's what we think it's worth compared to what we know people will pay for it sure because you know i mean brewers and the industry could sink or swim based on what we price our product at and if people really knew what went into it most of the time then you know it it would cost a lot more i'm sure not that this needs to be a business conversation sorry for (laughs) sidelining there just to say that like you know i I think everybody listening understands you don't make it that often just because it's not a probably not a profitable beer at all in that, yeah, and most you know. of it doesn't get most of it just gets kegged sell across the bar and yeah. then you can, you can do okay yeah but yeah once you start exactly. packaging it then yeah it gets a little pricey sure 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 well uh, you know let me back up to that other question are there some of those hops that uh that you definitely find work better in uh that whirlpool or hot side versus that dry hop and do you rebalance based on those are there any others that uh, that stand out for you i mean you know it's it's so, I would say, you know, I feel like I'm, I've been using the words interchangeably on accident too often, but it's so subjective with how, with what you want out of it. I mean, you know, take Nelson, Nelson, I mean, Nelson and Strata in the hot side can be very similar with how dank and kind of resinous they can be. But if you use Nelson, right, it'll taste like a, you know, like Nelson Savin, like Sauvignon Blanc grapes and you know whereas if you throw both of those into the dry hop it's wildly different in what you get and so it's 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 all about what you want out of it and you know each each hop has what do you like getting out of it and how do you find the best way to use it um so like for nelson i do more often than not i do like a little bit of that dankness from it because, you know, I am, I am all about balance with any of the recipes that I write. I don't like anything being too much of anything, whether it's sweet or hoppy. I want there to be, you know, it's, it's, it's chasing that high of, I want to make the beer that will please almost every single palate. And, um, I, you're looking to build it cohesively so that it, it hangs together as its own thing and not just with these, identifiable yeah. you know particular elements yeah. there. It's, oh this is a Nelson beer. It's oh this is a beer that's great. It has Nelson in it, but it's not a, you know, defined by one ingredient. You know, it's yeah, it's a Nelson and Belma pale ale, but it's got, you know, this, this, and this in it, these malts at these temperatures. And um, you know, I I really enjoy those types of hops, but also I am kind of old school with hops in regards to like Willamette. Uh, Willamette, I, I love, I mean, there, I'm probably one of 12 people that, 
I've ever uttered those words, but, um, what do you love about it? And how do you find ways to work that into, you know, the recipes that you write? So I, I usually write, uh, the multi recipes, um, for like, for example, billet, uh, brown ale, that's actually one that's made. It was, it was a sub 90. It was, I think it was like an 88 or 87, uh, in the magazine, but, um, that was, what do those judges know? Yeah. Right. They don't know nothing. <laughs> um, but, uh, that was initially a homebrew recipe for uh, Arizona Society of Homebrewers. I wrote, actually, while I was working uh, at my previous brewery at BJ's, I worked f- as a professional brewer and then picked up homebrewing. You know, I did it totally backwards. But I went into it having a lot of knowledge and good practices to start with instead of, you know, well, on my homebrew setup, I do this. And, you know, um, I made a batch of brown ale, English brown ale. It had four different hops in it and like seven different malts in it. And, you know, to this day I'll, I'll get flack from him, but, um, but it's, you know, it's definitely overly complicated, but at the same time I pick up everything I wanted to get from it. And it's one of those that, you know, like for our uh, downtown Mesa tap room, that clientele, they like the malty stuff, you know, sure. they're, they're the older crowd, kind of old school. They, they like those. There's still lots of space and craft beer yeah, for, uh, absolutely, you know, for yeah. these styles and, and the consumer, there are consumers for them, even if they're not the, yeah, the coolest, hippest things. Yeah. Sure. I mean, when we, we may- think they go away. They don't go yeah. away. <laughs> I mean, yeah. our coffee stout is still, even in Arizona, yeah. it's still one of our better selling mm-hmm. beers. There's, yeah, there's so many of them. Yeah. Like, why, why yeah. this one and not that one? Uh, yeah. I love a good brown ale. So in that sense, like, uh, we shouldn't let these things die. And, uh, we should continue to, you know, to pull it. Anyway, that's, that's a whole nother yeah. subject there. Yeah. Right. But, but you know, but from, Willamette. yeah, but from that one, I mean, yeah, like Willamette crystal nugget. Um, I used cryo Columbus for a bit, uh, while we had it in the building, that was just a bittering addition, but you know, all of those earthy, a lot of brewers talk about that cryo Columbus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, I mean, it's, it's great for, you know, it's great for bittering. I'm sure that's a little sacrilegious, but, um, you know, it's, it definitely has, some other characteristics that don't always get, um, amplified in a lot of recipes, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Willamette crystal nugget, those are those just like American, almost old world, just kind of old school, uh, hops that get, you know, in my opinion, you don't see a lot anymore. Are you mixing any of those into your IPAs? (laughs) Not yet, but I was listening to one of the recent podcasts and they were talking about how, uh, you know, they're kind of mixing in some of these older idea hops with some newer stuff. And I mean, yeah, again, kind of makes me want to, brew up a batch and just see start messing around again i mean yeah it was josh and marble that was talking about yeah, that right yeah, uh yeah. you know that uh you know and, and you know at the same time i mean I, I it's not that's not a brand that's not a new thing i mean i've, I've heard brewers even talking about that in the the scope of hazy ipa years ago like how do we find a way into some of these fruitier flavors but still ground them you know with this connection and the things that people are expecting out of it. And so, you know, yeah. Yeah. I think it's fun. I mean, I just yeah. think, yeah. 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 Something that we would like to play around with. I mean, we use a, next time we choose a, a flowable and like saws or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We, get, uh, get weird. Yeah. We, I mean, with, with my Brown recipe, um, we settled where it's at. I mean, I would have dry hopped it just because I, you know, I came from, you know, like I said, I came from BJ's, they dry hop their brown ale. I mean, it's with Willamette, but sure. they dry hop it. Sure. And, sure. you know, I was like, oh, I wonder what I could get out of that. But that was I the, just told him no. yeah, <laughs> that was the <laughs> foot down moment. So, uh, so yeah, I like, all right, well, you know, this is, this is still pretty, pretty, sure, pretty sure. good. What is the craziest thing that uh, Gully has let you get away with, Andrew? Uh, probably Lieutenant Chomp. Uh, I would say that one's um, a ridiculous amount of hops. Um, that one is, yeah, let me, I'm looking at the recipe right now. Um, for, for Whirlpool, it's got 11 pounds of T90 and 5.5 pounds of cryo just for Whirlpool and then equal parts of those same hops for dry hop. So you're looking at a bag and a half Whirlpool edition of essentially, I mean, really you're looking at two and a half of T90 equivalent just for Whirlpool in a 10 barrel. Um, and then the same amount for dry hop, which is interesting to get into a 10 or 20 barrel on top of the ladder where you just, you'll hand me a bag and I'll just huck that one down and grab the next one before it blows up. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, that, or 
um, it, you know, with, with our dynamic here and what we like to do, I mean, there are recipes where, um, if anything, it's, it's, you know, me kind of teasing gully, like, what are you scared? Let's do it. Like with, with, uh, some of the, I mean, we did a gummy bear beer with, uh, one of, one of gully's old coworkers and friends. He started a tap room and he used to make like a homebrew recipe, gummy bear blonde. And he'd, he'd just take like a pint glass for his five-gallon homebrew setup full of gummy bears and rip that into the kettle or into the boil. And we did the equivalent, but with 10 barrels. So it was it was a good amount of gummy bears. And sure. I mean, previously we've done, uh, we did a gummy shark hazy. Okay. Uh, and that was, we boarded a bunch of gummy shark uh, gummies. And, I like to, yeah, like to keep it interesting. Yeah. We've done chocolate hazy. Yeah, yeah we did a hazy IPA that tastes like how chocolate. Do you, how do you get gummy <laughs> sharks to, to convey in a beer? Um, Does it work? You melt a bunch of you gummy sharks. Them. You melt okay. a bunch of them. And we did you use get, a little bit of vanilla. Uh, we did yeah. sneak mm-hmm. a little bit of vanilla back in there yeah. just to get that gummy shark. You know, yeah. Sure. sure. And the hops helped. Um, I think with that, when we used any sort of berry, I think that was, that had some Belma and like Belma, Amarillo, something, you know, so anything where it's, it's going to help to convey that. Right. It, right. Yeah. I think it was about 60 pounds. So we melted down, you know, and then yeah. re-added that back yeah. into the boil. That was just hot work in, in a bucket. And, you know, <laughs> just and those gummy Shark volatiles don't blow off hot side. Then, uh, yeah. oh, well, oh yeah, right there. That's where you wanted them. They got isomerized <laughs> the way we needed them. <laughs> oh man, yeah. Oh, is this what beer is? Yeah, now? right. Now, we were just talking about brown ale. How yeah, did we right. start talking about gummy sharks? <laughs> but uh, man, this conversation just took a turn. Yeah, jeez. Yeah, no, we. we I mean, were doing we, so well before yeah, that. Yeah. We we try to do the traditional stuff yeah, to yeah. prove people we we can in fact know what we're doing right, and then right. we all right it's been long enough let's do something wild sure, and- <laughs> sure. well let's let's pull out here and uh, and look at a big picture what uh um you, you know at this point what 2016 eight years into 12 west uh you know you guys have our judges have loved the beers you all have made you've won some other awards for them too um you know here you are at the again the most amazing homebrew setup that exists out there uh, that, that I've seen so far. I mean, we could probably argue that some of the, you know, German European brewers where their homes are, you know, uh, adjacent to or attached to the breweries, they may be able to rival this in terms of homes. Absolutely. But uh, this is very, in that sense, very much in the European traditions. Yeah. That's yeah. what we're going for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so you've got this uh, here, you've got a couple of tap rooms. What's, uh, what's the, you know, what's next for 12 West? What do you hope to accomplish in the next five years? Well, the plan right now is uh, we've kind of been building it. We've bought some land out about three miles from here down the road. Uh, I think we're up five acres now on the golf course up the road. We're working on uh, building a 20,000 square foot production facility. Uh, wow. We actually bought Uinta's 40 barrel brew house that they were moving out of their Santa Rosa system. So we actually picked that up from them. It's probably been a year now, maybe even a little more than that. But we've had, we've bought that system from them. So hopefully in the next couple years we'll at least get the ground broken in the at the couple new spot. years that's your you know you it's get, been it's been a long seven years that i've sure, uh, we've sure, been sure. trying to figure out how to get the brewery where it's more accessible to people right, so they right. can see the stainless and smell the smells and sure get it out of this awesome garage but at least you know get it in front of the people so that's the plan is to get this place built but i also smart enough to know that uh, i'm not going to hold my breath either right this second it's an ongoing so it's an ongoing process um yeah and it's been going on for a while it's but yeah it's always kind of fun building it like the dream of it and building it out and seeing what we can do sure i hope you put a pool in there because i mean this is a pretty killer feature modern times eat your heart out right they build a tap room with a adjacent pool of course that whole that thing exploded but uh yeah but you you have an actual pool right here yeah We'll uh, we'll have to get that penciled into the the blueprints. I mean, just do it. Do it for all of us. Yeah. You know, are there any beers <laughs> that uh, that are hot in your horizon to make? To make? Um, well, I think uh, right now we have our pre-prohibition lager. It's lagering right now. It's kind of a fun one. Again, just pretty simple corn. You know. So yeah. I can't remember what the hops are in that one. Laurel, maybe. Uh, it's crystal. Crystal. But yeah, just a pretty simple one. I mean, right now we're kind yeah. of just making a bunch of lagers, trying to keep it. Just you know, have some fun with those and from gummy sharks back to loggers again. Yeah, now yeah. Look at we that. only have twelve beers right. or twelve right. uh, taps available for us most of the time in our yeah. tap rooms. Yeah. So we have six core beers. So we can only really play around with the other six. Sure. So we like to at least have fun with those as much as we can. And 
Cool. Cool. Is there anything, uh, are there any, you know, big, uh, big goals, things you really want to tackle in the next, uh, you know, couple of years? What's, uh, in your dream, what would you love to achieve? I mean, I still, I just, I'm like, we kind of talked about earlier. I'm very competitive. I just, I mean, I want as many, you know, medals and awards as we can win, uh, to be totally honest. I, I'll take all of those as much, you know, accolades. It's always just, it's very flattering to hear that kind of stuff, you know, like it never really gets old winning that kind of stuff. And, you know, like we were talking about also competing with our friends, like the guys of wilderness or, sure, you know, any sure. of those local friendly competition. That, yeah, yeah. You know, all tides rise, all ships kind of deal. Like, you know, they're doing good. Then I want to do good. Cause I want to, you know, be on their playing field. So I think that's really the big thing is just trying to, trying to stay, you know, competitive, trying to, trying to win some of those things. And yeah. That actually helps answer a question that we raised on the last episode of the podcast with Arizona wilderness. Like why is there a cluster of, uh, you know, of, uh, best and beer winners here in, uh, Gilbert Mesa, Arizona, you know, and that, that kind of competition of, of wanting to, you know, push each other creatively and, uh, you know, and also earn that kind of respect at a national level, uh, is certainly something that you all share. Yeah. Um, and that kind of, you know, push and pull is ultimately a good and healthy thing for craft beer. And I think that's a good note to bring this to a close. Choose G and D chillers on your next expansion or brewery startup and receive one free year of remote control and monitoring pro brews engineering team prides itself on providing true customized turnkey solutions. Old Orchard is the go-to source for fruit forward ingredients for some of the biggest names in the craft brewing landscape. Omega Yeast's Diacetyl Knockout Series is comprised of eight familiar yeast strains engineered to knock out the formation of diacetyl before it starts. ABS Commercial are proud to offer brew houses, tanks, keg washers, and preventative maintenance parts to brewers across the country. Secure your brewery accelerator spot now at breweryworkshop.com. SS Brewtech is dedicated to an engineering first approach to brewery equipment, empowers R&D at some of the world's greatest breweries, and build consistency with a reverse osmosis system from uswatersystems.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, go to beerandbrewing.com, click on that subscribe button if you haven't yet, and of course, if you're a subscriber, go dig back into that Best in Beer issue and check out the recipe for 12 West uh, Radial Spines, one of our top 20 beers, our best 20 beers in 2023. A remarkable accomplishment for you all. Um, congratulations. And Thanks. thanks for talking to me on the podcast. If people want to learn more about uh, 12 West, where do they find you? Um, pretty much any of the normal you know, social media things, 12westbrewing.com. Uh, I think it's... What's for the, the Instagram? Uh, it's 12 West Brewing underscore Gilbert or downtown um, for our Instagram handles. Although you'll be able to find those through our website, 12westbrewing.com. Um, if you're in the Valley, uh, we are at where we get our namesake, 12 West Main Street in Mesa, Arizona, as well as uh, in Barn One in Agritopia and Gilbert on Higley and Ray. Uh, that was our initial tap room. And now we're up to two. Uh, Downtown Mesa has our full restaurant, uh, liquor, wine, beer, you name it. You can get it there. Cool, cool. It's a shame people can't see what I'm seeing right now. Yeah, this uh, this little uh, action sports, uh, uh, you know, paradise and swimming pool and uh, and pad here in this coolest brewery. But uh, maybe I'll grab a couple pictures before I go. We'll put them up on the podcast post. I mean, it's pretty awesome. Um, great beers. You know, you all just started sending to us. Um, came out of nowhere, and obviously our judges were super impressed. And, uh, and we can kind of see why. I love this dedication to making great beers. Thanks for talking to me about how you brew. Yeah, Cheers. thank you. Yeah, thanks thank for coming out. Yeah. Really, really appreciate it. This podcast has been brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those who love to make and drink great beer. To learn more or to subscribe, visit beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew.